You are welcome to Faith to Faith broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor T.B. Peters, the president of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Alright, let's look at Titus chapter 3, verse 14. Amplified, amplified version. Titus chapter 3, verse 14. Um, you might have heard that everything that is healthy grows. Alright? If you are able to keep it healthy, it will likely grow. So, if your finances are healthy, they will grow. Amen. Alright. Um, Alright. Um, this is the reason why I'm even doing this. This scripture is the reason I'm doing this. You know, um, I came across this amplified version years ago. And it has always been on my heart. I've read it before. I've talked about it, maybe briefly. But it has always been on my heart too. Especially have a session with, if I have the opportunity with men in this scripture. So I'm going to go back again, read the King James, and then we'll come back to the Amplified. Let's look at it in King James. If you read it in King James Version, um, it might not register exactly what he was talking about. Because I have a challenge where people say what they don't know. And some of us repeat it. Someone says that in a church service that a pastor or a minister is not supposed to talk about anything apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm a New Testament preacher. I've not been anything before I was a New Testament preacher. I was not someone that used to preach law and then I started preaching grace. What I'm preaching now is what I've always been preaching. Amen. Now, that statement is not correct. It is not correct because even the epistles don't portray that. Am I communicating? If you say everything taught in church must be based on the dead, burial, and resurrection of Christ, yes, amen, that is correct. But you say that every day we come to church, we should just come and shout dead, burial, and resurrection of Christ, dead, uh, that's not correct. Because um, the reason why there is a scripture. Now, some people don't understand why we have a scripture. Why do we have a scripture? It's to be able to apply the wisdom of the scripture to our everyday life. Amen. You read scriptures that say that these things that were written are for our learning. Amen. They were written for our learning. Alright? They were written for our learning. To whom the ends of the world have come. And our scripture says that these things were written so that we will... Um, how does it put now? So that through the comfort of scriptures we might have hope. Amen. So, that's why the story of how people married was written. So that we'll talk about marriage based on scripture. Amen. The story about how people ran their businesses was written. Am I communicating? If not, all that the Bible will write is Jesus' dead by resurrection. Every book. No. But practical living. What happened to the people? What they experienced? The decisions, how they came about decisions in life. How they raised their children. How they went about their relationships. How they did business. And so on and so forth. It's captured in scripture. So that we, 
can see the wisdom of God and put it to work in our lives. Are you listening to me? Alright, so what is correct is that everything that is preached in a church must be based on the finished works of Christ. Amen. Are we together? So we cannot come to church and be teaching you management principles that don't line up with the dead burial resurrection of Christ. Even if we mention it, we're, we're not endorsing if it doesn't line up with the dead burial resurrection of Christ. Are you listening to me? Well, so get that point very clear. Now I said the epistles, when I mean the epistles, the writings of Paul, uh, the epistles start with Romans, uh, First and Second Corinthians, um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and that, 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 that. You know, down to maybe Hebrews. All the epistles in one way or the other, deal with everyday life. Paul didn't just talk about death, burial, uh, uh, say? death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, I want to finish this thing quick. Death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You know? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know? Jesus was not all he spoke about. The first epistle is the book of Romans. Paul addressed many issues. All right? The basis on which he addressed the issues was based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But if you read the chapters, chapter 14, he even talked about, he said, um, 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 he that is weak should consider, are you understanding me? Was that death, death, death burial, and resurrection of Christ? No. Are you understanding me? Romans 15. If you read Romans 14, Romans 15, Romans 13, he dealt with issues. He talked about how people that had problems in church should resolve their problems. Amen. Am I communicating? You go to Corinthians. He addressed fornication. Is that the dead burial resurrection of Christ? No, he addressed it. A man had his father's wife. He talked about it. Are you understanding me? He talked about um, that they were carnal. Alright? Because they had divisions and envy amongst them. He addressed that. He addressed what they were going through. That's the point I'm trying to make. Paul addressed the experiences they were going through. If Paul was writing the epistles in our day, election would have been inside it. Are you listening to me? The election would have been inside it. If he was writing the scriptures today, glory to God. So, sometimes people say certain things and they are not informed um, about what, what they are talking about. You know, they are just trying to push an agenda. So say, okay, so we're not supposed to come to church and talk about money. <laughs> oh, we shouldn't talk about, we shouldn't talk, what are things says we talk about? We talk about business. Are you understanding me? <laughs> Jesus talked about business. Glory to God. So, whether you're talking about Galatians and whatever scripture, Ephesians, Paul even talked about, oh, um, honor your father and mother. Are you understanding me? He went to home. He talked about how parents should take care of their children so that their children shouldn't be discouraged. Amen. So it's family. He addressed family. Am I communicating? So um, I want to help correct that. You know, a lot of things go on on social media. People say a lot of things. And uh, after a while, you start swallowing things that are not consistent with Scripture. Now, the church... Is called the pillar and ground of truth. What it means is that any, as anything the church is talking about, the basis of the statement, the basis of the teaching is truth. Amen. Am I communicating? Truth. Not facts. The truth of God's word. Superior to facts. Truth can change the facts. Amen. 
So, here, um, did Paul or any of the epistles or Jesus Christ talk about money? Yes, they did. They did. Is it not Timothy Paul was writing to when he said, the love of money is the root of all evil. He talked about money. Are you understanding me? Okay, let, let's just look at First Timothy. I'll come here, please. Let's go look at First Timothy 6. Start from the 10th verse. We'll just read down. Okay, see. This is an epistle Paul wrote. Are you with me? What is he talking about here? Is it, is it not money he's talking about? He said, for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faiths and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Continue. That's not where he stopped. He said, but thou, O man of God, is writing to Timothy, flee these things. What's he saying? Flee. Greed. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love. Don't carry election uh, ballot box. Love, patience, meekness. Are you understanding me? Then he goes further to say, keep going. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Next. We're going somewhere. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. Uh, and before Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. Keep going. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which in his times he will show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Keep going. I feel good to 17 or 18. Who only had mortality dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man had seen, nor can see, to whom be honor, power, everlasting. Amen. Now, you think, see, he was talking spiritual things, so in the midst of the verse 17, I says, charge them that are rich in this world. Hello? He has come back to money. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Then he says, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Amen. Am I communicating? What he's talking about, doesn't it relate to your finances? Alright, maybe we'll just read the next verse. He says, tell them, you know, he said, charge them that are rich in this world. Then he said, that they do good. That they be rich in good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. Go further. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, you, you didn't understand it. Go back to verse 18. Let me read verse 18 in um, Amplified. Amplified version. You, you, you get it. See what he was saying. He said, charge them to do good. To be rich in good works. To be liberal and generous of hearts. Ready to what? To share with others. NLT. Tell them to use their money. He's telling, Paul is telling Timothy to tell the church, Amen. About what? Money. Amen. (laughs) Tell them to use their money to do good. Use your money to do good. Amen. All right. Then it says, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, 
always being ready to share with others. So, Paul talked about money. Amen. To God's people. Alright? Okay. I came here just to explain an example of what happened in, in Timothy. Let's go back to Titus 3.14, Amplified Version. So, can I go ahead? Alright. In Titus 3.14, it says, unless our own, our own, our own people, it actually was talking about men, young men, amen. So let our own people really learn To apply themselves to what? To good deeds. To honest labor and honorable employment. Why? Why? So that what? So that they may be able to meet necessary demands whenever the occasion may require and not be living idle and uncultivated and unfruitful lives. Whatever problem is going on in Port Harcourt or in Nigeria had happened before. Amen. Now, the first thing here is we're talking about order and finances. What he was communicating here is that let our own people, let our brethren in church learn to apply that means it's something to learn. Amen. If someone is not taught, he will not know how to do it. How to live a productive life has to be taught. Amen. How to live a productive life, it has to be taught. Some people don't know how to be productive. You know, from the beginning in Genesis, when God created man, the first mandate he gave to man, he said, be fruitful. Be fruitful. That means be productive. Be productive. So here Paul is saying, hey, 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 let our own people learn to be productive, to apply themselves. Rather than sitting down waiting for something to happen, let them learn to apply themselves. To honest labor and honorable employment. Now, I want to ask you how you've applied yourself this year and how you intend to apply yourself this year. And you see, the principle, sorry, um, not principle, the concept of work is biblical, is from the Bible. Amen. Are we together? The concept of work is from God. When God put man in the garden, you read Genesis 2. The Bible said God put him in the garden. And then he gave him work. To dress. He didn't say, oh, just lounge here, man. You understand that? No, no, no. He said, dress and keep it. He had a work. <laughs> and I always tell young men, I say, God gave him work before he gave him wife. Amen. He gave him work first. He gave him a place. <laughs> Amen. So, he said, let our own people really learn to apply themselves. How will they learn? They have to be taught. Amen. 
They have to be taught how to make your time produce for you. How to make your skills produce for you. How to make your abilities and talents yield for you. How to make 10 to become 15. How to make 20 to become 30. Are you listening to me? They have to learn. Listen, being idle was lent. Are you understanding me? If you're an idle pr- person, you're an idle brother, an idle sister, you don't actually do anything. Like today now, the only thing you've done is to come to church. Since morning. You, co- you boiled into me. Then you came to church. That's all. You will go back now, do something on your phone, and sleep. Now, if that's how life has been for you, I want you to understand that you learnt it. Listen, in learning, we learn consciously, we also learn unconsciously. Are you understanding me? Whether, even if you are not learning consciously, you are learning unconsciously. Am I communicating? Yeah. So, for someone to come to that place where they are comfortable not doing anything, just expecting that somebody somewhere will help them, you learn it. Praise God. And you can unlearn it today. Amen. You learned it. So now you have to be taught the right way to live. That there are deposits of God in you. So if you apply yourself, those deposits will call for value. Amen. Amen. So you have to learn how to apply yourself. So, he now said, what are they applying themselves to? Not applying themselves to toggery. Not applying themselves to ballot box snatching. Not applying themselves to Yahoo Yahoo. Not applying themselves to prostitution. Not applying themselves to honest labor and honorable employment. Honest labor and honorable employment. They will apply this is what they should apply themselves to. Not sitting and thinking about how which lie you're going to tell somebody to collect the next ten thousand naira. Are you understanding me? You know, there are people that always meet you on the road and say, uh, I, I just came to Potakot now. The man I came to meet, he, as I went, he was dead. Then, uh, this is da 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 da. So, I just need 8,000 naira to go back to uh, this place. You know, you see, that energy, he should apply it to honest labor. Amen. He should apply it to honorable employment. But he's applying it to something negative, to a dishonest labor. To his shameful employment. He's employed in begging. Some people wake up every day and think of where they will eat today. What story they will tell when they go there. That means you are creative. Amen. That means you are creative. But you know, you are applying yourself the negative way. Am I communicating? So, he said, to honest labor, and it is because of this, I posted something, someone, um, I think, liked it, because it came up, like, maybe it was a year ago or so. um, I'm trying to remember what it was, but it was last year, and a lot of people commented on it. It was in March, so it came up again. Someone in church or someone um, made it come up again, like a reminder, and then shared it. 
I said, because last year when they did the, uh, you know, uh, what they call that, uh, uh, is it Bureau of Statistics, National Bureau of Statistics, from time to time they publish some things. So they were talking about unemployment rates. That was last year. And they cited that River State, I think and Bayasa, River State was even worse, has the highest unemployment rate in Nigeria. I was shocked. So when, from that time, I started thinking, I started looking out in church for the unemployed, and there were many. Amen. They are not doing anything. Are you understanding me? Now, when I say unemployed, they dress well. Are you understanding me? But they are unemployed. They go out every morning, but they are unemployed. Praise God. So, when I saw it, and I posted a comment, and I said, the unemployment rate in River State, I'm trying to remember what I said, the unemployment rate in River State is not because there are no jobs. I said, the reason of the is that you have a, a BSc holder that has no job experience, he has no character, he has no skill, but he's asking for 300,000 naira a month with an official car, accommodation, and no stress. Hello? Are you with me? So, he's asking, he's looking for a job that nobody can give to him. Am I communicating? So, under it, I now said, create your own. So, a lot of young people are looking for jobs that nobody can create for them. So what do they do? Dishonest labor. Amen. They enter into things that are not honorable. So, and they apply themselves. I was driving, someone was driving me around, you know, and then we saw a lot of young guys in a place. So I said, what are they doing there? He said, Pastor, I don't know. But anyway, I see young people there, they are sharing money. <laughs> That's what he told me. He said, anyway, you see young people, young boys gather like they're sharing money. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> you know. So, a lot of times, people are just looking for where they're sharing money. And you know what happened in Nigeria between 2015 and now? Is that there's no money to share. Amen. Glory to God. You can only earn it. Amen. You know, I suppose they just follow people, then they give them money. Follow people, you know, in, in Pidgin English, we call it dash. They are just surviving on dash. Are you understanding me? There is nothing they apply themselves to, apart from just expecting money that is given to them from someone's free will or benevolence, as you call it. And if anybody said that that's living a life of faith, that's living a life of fake. Glory to God. So, he said here, the reason why you need to apply yourself is so that you may be able to meet necessary demands whenever the occasion may require. Whenever the occasion may require. Are we together? In church, you can meet the occasion. You can meet the demand, necessary demand. Amen. When the occasion is required. 
You know, there are people that no matter what happens, they never ever have to give. Let's not even talk about church projects. Even in their neighborhood, they are paying for light. They cannot pay. They are paying for cleaning of the place. They cannot pay. Instead, they will quarrel. Are you understanding me? They can't pay for it. There's nothing they can pay for. But they have a good wristwatch. They have expensive perfume. They have an expensive shirt. But they can never pay for anything. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So it means that the person's priorities are upside down. Amen. So when we say order in finances, it's to set your priorities right in money matters. Amen. Setting your priorities right in money matters. He said, if you don't do that, you will be living an idle and an uncultivated and an unfruitful life. See, what he's saying is that there's so much in you. Glory to God. If you apply yourself, the things in you will come out. Hallelujah. You know, most of the patriarchs, when we say patriarchs, we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. One of the key reasons why they succeeded was that the, the mandate of God upon them Force them to apply themselves. Are you understanding me? Let's Abraham was told to leave his country. Leave his kinsmen. To a land. You must get sense now. Are you understanding me? If he was depending on his father's wealth, now he's not there again. He has to apply himself. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Someone said that most of the people that have succeeded in the city of Lagos are people that came from outside Lagos. And you, you will know why. Because they didn't come to play. Amen. The problem with some people is that they've been here too long. I talked about how some young guys have not broken the jinx. <laughs> you understand that? Food, clothing, shelter. I talked about it one time. I said, if you're a young person, you know, you have to make up your mind. I love the way E.W. Kenyon put it. He said, don't depend on another person. Are you understanding me? You have to learn to grow out of, even if someone, if, you know, if you have someone that everything you want, they give you. Everything, they're, they're not helping you. They're not helping you. Anytime you beg, they will give you. They're not helping you. There are some people, it's because they told them no, that they actually grew up. Amen. They say, now, I'm going to give you a hundred thousand naira. And this is the last time I will give any money to you to do anything in this life. You know that that money, chop and die. Are you understanding me? Are you understanding me? You understand that? Then the person wakes up. But anytime, yeah, anytime, anytime you run there, you cry. They give you small things. Anytime you run there, you cry. You will never grow. You will never grow. You'll be wondering why. <laughs> Pressure has its role to play. 
in bringing out the best to you. Amen. Challenges have their role to play in bringing out the best in you. So, you're here. Break out of still being dependent. You're an adult. Food, clothing, shelter. This is not just for brothers, even for sisters. Can you feed yourself? Can you clothe yourself? Can you shelter yourself? I used to say it this way. I said, um, let's assume that shelter is the toughest of all of them. I said, let's suppose that you are living somewhere. At least break the, the other two and start preparing for the third one. Amen. There are, don't misunderstand me, there are married people, there are people that are living in houses now, but they didn't pay the rent by themselves. If, if, if somebody doesn't help them, they will never, since they started living in their house, they've never fully on their own paid rents. You have not broken the shelter issue. You've not broken it. I know of people that their parents are still paying house rent for them. They are married. Are you understanding me? That means that as they're in that house now, maybe the house has cost, um, 200000 or 300000 a year. mother or father or somebody still had to send money. If not, they would have thrown them out. And they've lived there for three years or four years or five years. No year they generated rents and paid for themselves. Today you will break out in the name of Jesus. Are you understand what I'm saying? Now it is not normal. Don't accept it. Now learn to apply yourself. You set targets for yourself. Amen. You have where you go and eat free food every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. It's making you, you're not even able to do anything. If you were feeding yourself, would you be able to sustain? That would always see what somebody wore. <laughs> this shoe is, there was the Lord not telling you something about this shoe now. Uh, drop this shoe from me. Uh, every, so, they have in a year, they've gotten six new shoes. They obtained all the shoes. We used to call it obtain in pigeon. Obtain. You come and drop that shoe the next week. Oh. Come and drop. Everybody, everybody. You know, they've collected shoes. And that's, there's no one that they bought. Some people always have people, anytime they go to... You know, don't misunderstand me. I, I, there's a difference between the favor of God, are you understanding me, and manipulation. There are two different things. So you have that. You've not broken food, clothing, shelter. You're still in that place. I, 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 I've been putting together something. I titled it Financial Freedom Causes for our Bible Academy. Maybe it will, it will, I will use, maybe we'll do it next year. It will come out this year. So I looked at different categories of people. And I categorized those that are in the minus. They are in death and they have not broken the poverty cycle. Are you understanding me? That the approach, the cause they should do is different. Then you have those that are just above board. Nothing extra is happening. They are not in death but they are just 
what you call hand to mouth. Are you understanding me? They're just existing. Then you have those that are earning, living well, but they want to push and do more. The three levels don't require the same thing. Amen. Are we together? Um, years ago, I did a series on faith for finances. It has blessed many people. I've even seen my pastor friends and people adapt the message and preach one portion of it or so and so. But after that time, I've not done a series on faith for finances. I was saying that, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what made me feel that way. Like, it was not much of an issue. But in the last five years pastoring, I've concluded that there is strong poverty in the church. People in church are still broke and poor. I'm not saying it because of what money they have or don't have. I'm saying it because of how they talk and think. Amen. Poverty is not the absence of money. Prosperity is not the presence of money. Did you hear what I said? Poverty is not the absence of money. It doesn't mean that the person doesn't have... No, no. That's not. Then prosperity is not that there is the money. No, 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 no. There are people that, as I'm talking, they have money in their account, but they are poor. Because the way their actions, decisions, and their approach to life is the way a poor man approaches life. That means in their mindset, they are poor. The reason why someone will be in a place where they are giving something and is dodging is poverty. It's poverty. It's a poverty mindset. What is the poverty mindset? It's a, it's a sense of lack of ability. Are you listening to me? It's a sense of lack of ability. It's a sense, just a sense of lack of ability. Lack of financial ability, a sense of it. That's poverty. Prosperity is a sense of abundance. It means that a man that is prosperous might not have cash in his pocket, but he doesn't feel that getting money is a, is a difficult thing. He said, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, um, we were going to start that project. We need $18 million to start the project. You know, they say, um, and we're giving ourselves 12 months to do it. Then maybe you're his account officer. He's not check his balance. He says, sir, do you have another account in another bank? He says, no. Why are you asking? He said, because your account balance is less than 500,000 naira. But you said something about $18 million. He said, yeah, 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 well, we'll fund it, we'll get it done. And then the 12 months reaches and he, gets, he pulls in $18 million for the project. Are you understanding me? You say, ah, how did he do it? It's the sense of abundance. He comes to understand that wealth or money is not what you kept somewhere. It's how you think, how you see. So you have people that are born again, tongue-talking, but the poverty 
mindset is still there. It has not been dealt with. In short, it is untouched. Anyhow the word of God comes, it will go here to touch here. But just the poverty part, it just leaves it intact. What makes a believer born again get involved in togri in elections? It's poverty. There's nothing else. Nothing else. I remember when we were on campus years, many years back, I used to be concerned where I, I was pastoring and I would see brethren, they used to have rag day. I don't know if they still do it now. Yeah? So during the student union um, week or something, you know, then you see, sometimes you just see maybe brethren are in church or fellowship, you see them put on rags, are you understanding me? And then they're going around with a, 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 a container asking for money. Now, many years back, the idea of rag day was to help the less privileged, okay? So they go around for fun, do that, and then they turn the money over. But you know, the less privileged now are the ones going out for the rag day. Amen. 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 I just said, they are now the less privileged down the road. <laughs> so, when someone carries his container to do that, there's a, there's, there's a value system that is driving him. That makes him put aside whatever sense of dignity to go and do it. Now, if somebody did that, came back and gave the money to his friend, we will interpret it differently. He comes and starts saying, hey, today I will eat, I will eat bones. And like, you know that something, that one is different. Amen. And he says, hey, let us be doing that every week. <laughs> Next week, I know where we go. I know which area we go to. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Mindset. And the truth is this. Wealth, the resources of life, they have ears. They hear. Are you listening to me? They hear. Your mindset is louder than what your mouth is saying. Amen. Your mindset is louder to resources around you than what your mouth is saying. <laughs> In short, your mindset is drowning your voice. Praise God. It's drowning your voice. How you think is louder than what you are saying with your mouth. There are principles in the world that are unscriptural. So if you are applying those principles, you will actually not be experiencing supernatural wealth. The difference between us and the world is this. Is that there are similarities. The similarity is that we, the world will work. We too will work. 
But the difference is that we know how to operate spiritual principles in such a way that our resources, resources respond to us based on the spiritual principles we also know. Amen. For example, the principle in the world, when you go for all those business seminars, you know, and if you have the opportunity to go for them, go for them, please. And then they say, be your own boss. Now you're your own boss. But the problem is that your boss cannot pay you. Are you understand what I'm saying? You are your, but you're your own boss, so. <laughs> but the boss cannot pay. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. Then, they now say, pay yourself first. Pay yourself first is not scriptural, though. Amen. It's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. When for the believer, it is the kingdom first. Amen. It's the kingdom first. If it's not kingdom first, your priorities are upside down. Glory to God. Concerning your finances, it has to be kingdom first. Hello. Hello. The popular Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. He then said, all other things will be added unto you. Kingdom first. When Cain and Abel, in scripture, you know, I, I want you to see, you know, some of you think that Abraham was a pastor. <laughs> so when you hear Abraham, you just think of, no, he was a businessman. Glory to God. He was a businessman. Abraham was a business tycoon. Amen. That actually maybe had uh, an office. Where, where do you have uh, the stock exchange in Lagos? What's the name of the street? Eh? What? Broad Street. Thank you. It's like someone that had an office on Broad Street. Okay. Transamadi. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Someone that had an office, Transamadi, you know, that had a big business there. People know him around the area. But when you get close to him, you find out that he has faith in God. Amen. Are we together? That's Abraham. So, but I'm, I'm not talking about Abraham. Cain and Abel. The Bible said, Cain brought an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock. And God had respect unto Abel's offering. Why was he bringing the first? What does he mean by the first links? It means that he put God first. Amen. The scripture told us Abel was a keeper of flock or sheep. And then Cain was a tiller of the ground. That means they had work. They had work. Adam had work. Cain had work. So, but... Now, in Abel's work, he put God first from whatever profits came from it. Praise God. You see, there are five things that everyone that has a business, the business must do those five things. Maybe let me mention that. Some people start businesses, they don't even understand what their business is supposed to be. They think 
business about having a complimentary card. Yeah, yeah, have you seen my card? Then you meet again say, have you seen my card? One person has 12 with your card. Are you with me? Every business or enterprise of a believer should achieve these five things. Amen. If you have a business, shop, company, whatever it is you do that takes your time, it should achieve these things. Number one, it should meet a need or solve a problem. That's number one. It should meet a need or solve a problem. So, is your business meeting a need? Answer me now. Is your business meeting a need? Is it solving a problem? Are you sure it's not creating a problem? Is it solving a problem? Is it meeting a need? Okay. That's number one. No. Your business should meet a need or it must solve a problem. That's number one. Number two. It should create wealth or opportunity for others, a.k.a. jobs. It should create wealth or opportunity for others. Are you understanding me? It should create wealth or opportunity for others. Jobs are included in that. Whatever thing you're doing, is it creating wealth for another person? Or is it just you creating wealth for? It should create wealth for someone else, for others, and it should create opportunities for others. Are we together? You know, sometimes people fight ministries and churches. <laughs> the GDP of this country, church follow. Amen. Amen. So, your business should create wealth or opportunity for others. Number three. Your business or enterprise must give you time to serve God. If not, close it down. It must give you time to serve God. In my notes I wrote there, worship. It must give you time to serve God. You know, let's see that there are depths of understanding about wealth and worship. Why was God fighting to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Simple, that they will worship him. Let my people go, that they will serve me. Meaning that as they are with you, they cannot serve. Are you understanding me? So the reason why you left unemployment, if you didn't leave the employment, so that you can have more time to serve God, my brother, go back to work. If you started your business, and since you started your business, you cannot even serve God, you can't serve in a team, you can't serve in church, you can't do anything, something's wrong. It was even, an, um, this guy, I, I, I can't claim that he's saved. He was once number one that beat uh, Bill Gates on the Forbes list, Carlos, years ago. He's no one number one, but he was once number one. He said, he doesn't believe that Man is supposed to work more than three or four days in a week. Are you understanding me? 
Now, this is a wealthy man that is talking. That's companies, enterprises. But do you know that God, the reason why he made one day a Sabbath day of rest, is that God did not intend that you spend all your life working. That there must be a day that is left for him. Now, we're not under the Old Testament. But what it translates to us is that in all your work, you must serve God. Amen. So your business must give you time to serve God. Number four, your business or enterprise must give you resources to practice generosity. Giving. It must give you resources to practice generosity. Since you started that business, you've not been able to be generous to anybody. Short, when you were not in the business, you were more generous. Your business or enterprise should give you the opportunity to be more generous, to practice generosity, giving, to be able to give, whether with church or people around you, your relatives, your neighborhood, to the poor, whatever, you should give you the opportunity. Fifth and the last, your business or enterprise must give you personal profits. Amen? Give you personal profits. And also, I mean, fulfillment in your heart. So, personal profits. Must give you personal profits. Praise God. Is this helping anybody? There's nothing wrong in closing your business. If you wants to close your destiny. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Are you listening to me? There's nothing wrong. You can change what you are doing. So examine your business and your enterprise and look through these things. Amen? Examine it. You know, sometimes I see some young people that just started a business. Now, don't misunderstand me. If you started a business, you need to give it time. I understand that. Then, because of business they started, they cannot attend church again. They, cannot, they are not even praying. The only time they pray is when there is crisis in the business. You know what's happening to the person? The love of money is the root of all evil has happened. It has happened. The person's soul. Do you know, some people don't know what it means to worship idols. Worshipping idols is not that you have something at the back of your house, a stick that is bent like this, that used to do like this too. <laughs> Worshipping idols is simply that there's something else that has taken the place of God in your life. Simple. That thing can be the business. It can be money. It can be a friend. It can be enjoyment. Some people are not here because they have to drink beer with somebody this night. The beer has become God. Amen. I do. 
Some people, it's relationship that is their God. <laughs> I, I don't want to serve the Lord, but my boyfriend, my boyfriend, you know, <laughs> I, I don't love him so much. I don't love him so much. I cannot sleep without him. So, I don't want him to be unhappy. That's why. Upon all the love you have for him, he will not still be beating you. You have made him an idol. Jehovah Bobby. <laughs> Amen. Alright. Is that an idol? Some of you will not forget that one now. You will say Jehovah Bobby. <laughs> That's the one somebody bring I spend now, right? <laughs> When I was saying the five things of enterprise, you were looking at me. He said, Jehovah, Bobby, hey, I catch revelation. <laughs> so, I started by explaining. I said, when it comes to money, it has to be kingdom first. Everybody say kingdom first. Kingdom first. kingdom first. It has to be kingdom first. Should I continue? There are four things we do with money. Every money that you receive, a little four things that can happen to it. Alright? If I put money in your hand now, there are only four things you can do with it. Give. Save. Are you, are you writing? There are some of you, I don't even know whether you are supposed to be here today. I found out that some people like how they are. You know where you are trying to teach somebody something. You say, eh, I understand, but and then you're wondering why they are not applying what you are telling them. But my prayer for you today is that you will apply these things in the name of Jesus. Let me tell two people, don't just be a hearer. When will you start doing these things? Today. Give. Save. Spend. Invest. Ever say give. Save. Spend. Invest. Every money you receive is one of these four things, apart from the one you lost. Alright? Is that you either give it, save it, spend it, or invest it. Now, if what you do the most with money is spending, did you hear me? You can never be wealthy. Of the four things I mentioned, if what you do the most with money is spending, you can never be wealthy. But you know, most of us were raised and trained to spend. If you read materials that talk about what the rich teach their kids, that the poor don't teach their kids, it's along these things. If you spend more than you give save or invest. You can never be wealthy. 
no matter how much you receive. It's practical. See, it's practical. If you receive one million naira today, you chop 1.1 million today, how much will you have left? Minus 100,000. If tomorrow again they give you 1.1 million, you chop 1.2 million, how much will you have left? Plus the other one. Then because you are expecting 1.1 tomorrow, you just blow 1.4. Are you understanding me? Because 1.1 is coming tomorrow. So don't worry, let me just spend the 1.4. Are you understanding me? I will look for a way to sort it out. At the end of the third day, you are not owing how much? You see, eh? it is very easy to slip into death. Amen. Very easy. It is more difficult to come out of death than to enter it. Just like coming down. Are you understanding me? It's easier than coming up. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You know, if you're going down a staircase, it's easier, you know. You're going again, so, you, you know, it's easier. But when you're climbing up, that's why you're using energy. That's why climbing out of death is more difficult. Amen. More difficult. It's easier to fall into it. Don't worry, I will pay. Ah, I will pay now. It's not just 300. Ah, I will pay. I'm, I'm expecting 350. Then I'm expecting. Stop planning with expectations. Amen. Plan with what is on ground. So, I'm back to the four things that you do with money. You either give, save, spend, or invest. Now, you find out that, you see, Jesus believed in all. And if you see the practice of Jesus, because when Jesus was on earth, he ran an organization. Let me use that term. And we saw that Jesus believed in investing. Why do we know that? Because when he gave the parable of the talents, and he said the guy with one talent, okay, you, I know you now. You've not been around, right? Okay. You've grown older. (laughs) I just saw you now. I was like, man, it's been a while. Good to see you. So the guy with one talent... Jesus said, he would have put the money, if you didn't do business with it. Are you understanding me? If you didn't, you were not able to invest. Because what he expected with them, for them to do with the talent, it was money he was talking about. It's not talent as in the talent you have when you were born as a child. <laughs> it's money, okay? But it's money he was talking about. That parable was talking about money. So, he said, the expectation was that they should invest it. So the one that had five got ten. That's investment. Is that not so? Investing simply means making money grow. Amen. Are we together? Now, then the guy that returned the one, he said, ah, he would have put his money to use. He would have kept it. Saving is like keeping. You will still use it later. Are you understanding me? The money might not grow, but you kept it. Are you understanding me? To use it later. So he believed in keeping. He believed in... Jesus also believed in keeping because we saw in John 12 that um, Judas had a bag. If they were spending everything they got, there would be no need for bag. 
Hello. Are you getting the logic here? There will be no need for bag. The reason they had a bag is that they will first collect the money and put it first, keep it first before they spend it. Some of you don't have bag. That's your problem. You don't have a bag. The modern day bag is a bank account. Amen. You don't have bag. As money enters your hand, bones, pepper soup. Are you understanding me? No bag. The money just comes from where it's coming from, straight to expense. Jesus had a bag. Give me John 12. I, I'm not sure. It should be verse 6 or 9, um, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you. 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, Judas, right? Judas. But because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. That means Jesus used to put money in the bag. When they got money, they put it in the bag first. Amen. 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 See. If you don't make your life a bus stop first, where money comes, it stops so that you can redirect it. Eh? You can never be financially organized. Glory to God. So, Jesus believed in keeping money. He believed in investing money. He believed in giving. Praise God. And of course, they spent. Because he would ask, how much will this cost? They would say so and so. Okay, how much do we have? Are you understanding me? They spent money too. Now, when we say other in finances, let me explain something to you. There are Wrong convictions that will never allow you to make right decisions. I'll take that again. There are wrong convictions about money that will never make you right, make right decisions about money. I'll start again. There are wrong convictions about money that will never make you help you make the right decisions about money. Let me give you an example. You know, there are people that just think that let me spend it. Anyhow, anyhow, we we'll survive. You know, there's, eh, eh. have you met someone that came to get a loan from you? Okay? They asked you for money. Please lend me 100,000 naira. I will pay you before 9 o'clock this night. Ah, if you can pay me before 9 o'clock, just wait now. <laughs> Have you met people like that? When they are asking for the money, they believe oh, that they can pay you. It's a conviction, but it's a wrong conviction. The desperation to get the money is making them say anything they like. See, if I will, I will meet that my neighbor, he will give me. Just give me first. Are you with me? Wrong convictions. Okay. This year, since January till now, you have received, you're a young person. Some uncle somewhere gave you 150,000 naira. 
That's the highest amount of money you've received in the last nine months. In short, in the last one year. But it happened between January and March. Other times people give you 5K, 10K, but now they give you 150K. You say, wow. Wow, I've entered a new level. I've entered a new level. The 150K, you say, I've entered a new level, I've entered a new level. You go and buy a shoe. 90k. You go and have dinner somewhere. 10k. From the day they gave you 150k, it's drop you have been taking to everywhere I've been to. The conviction you have is that levels have changed. Are you understanding me? That's why you receive this 150K. That means 150K will be coming from now. Rather than understanding that God is giving you seed to enter a new level. Are you with me? The 150K is not the new level. It's not the new level. It's the seed for the new level. It's what you do with it that will determine whether there will be a new level or if a former before the former level. Are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> Amen. So you have people that have wrong convictions. And that conviction, they believe it. Until that thought is removed from your heart and the right thoughts are planted, you will keep making wrong financial decisions. In Ecclesiastes 11, he talked about bread and, and he talked about bread, different from seed. Amen. He said, cast your bread. That means that there are certain things that come to you, they are for eating, they are for spending. There are certain things that come, for you, come to you, they are for either giving or investing. You have to know the difference. And every time you receive money, listen, financial order means that. Huh, but let's enter it from this angle. You see, eh? God never intended. In, the, in, the, in God's financial plan for man, God never intended that man should live 100% of what he gets. Amen. That's why he demanded for 10%. Amen. The reason why God demanded from ten, a tenth of whatever you own long before the law was to say that he's the one taking care of you. Amen. And then that he doesn't expect that everything that came to you should be used on you. That means that inside that thing that you receive, there are portions inside. A portion it. You are that there's what ever says stewardship. Stewardship. Say again, stewardship. You are a steward of divine resources. Amen. So now God is trusting you with a portion of resources, believing that you will apportion it according to his plan. Amen. So if he gave you a hundred naira, he's not expecting that all the hundred naira should be spent by you. Inside that hundred naira, there's the one that somebody that is in need should have. Are you understanding me? There's the one that belongs to him. There's the one that belongs to an assignment. There's the one that should grow your income. Are you listening to me? 
Maybe I'll just touch this one. You know, the idea of the tithes was a revelation to Abraham. Abraham met Melchizedek, Genesis 14, and then he gave him a thanks of, they say, oh, what he gave him was not money. What are the spoils of war? Money to his inside. There might even be human beings in the spoils of war. Gold, silver, are you understanding me? Animals. Everything they collected from the country, are you understanding me, are the spoils of war. So it was from the spoils that Abraham brought that he gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. Melchizedek was a king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. Now when he gave him tithe of all, the Bible says Melchizedek gave him bread and wine. Today, who is giving us bread and wine? Jesus Christ is our Melchizedek. Are you understanding me? So, in the same way, Abraham was subservient or um, um, saw Melchizedek as a superior entity and gave him tithes of all. We are heirs of Abraham. And the Bible says that Jesus is our own is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The same thing Abraham did to Melchizedek is what the sons of Abraham will do to their own Melchizedek. Are you listening to me? That's the revelation of Titan. So Abraham gave him tithes and he gave him bread and wine, which is symbolic of the communion. Amen. The body and the blood of Jesus. Now, that's not my focus. My focus is that the idea of percentage came from God. That this percent should be doing this. This percent should be doing. When Edena got to the law, God now established the principle of tithes in the law. It was a revelation. It became a principle. Are you understanding me? Okay. Now, do you know in the law, they were not even given 10%. They were giving more than someone was calculating it. Some guys that went to Harvard, you know, but they are believers. You know, they did a calculation. And um, someone, came up with, uh, someone came up with 32%, someone came up with 28%, something like that. You know, so, we were trying to calculate what they gave. They had, the Jews had three different types. Are you understanding me? You know, so, they had three different types. They had what they called the Levitical types. That's the type of what you do in the New Testament. Amen. The one they gave for the upkeep of the house of God. Then they had what they called the festival tithes. Then they had the charity tithes. The charity tithes is the one you give to the poor. Are you listening to me? Those demands were made from them. Now, in all of that, what God was teaching them is that all you are a steward of financial resources. That means that if money comes into your hand, God is trusting that you will do, you will settle things around you that are of God's concern. Amen. 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 The word steward, steward, steward. Luke 16. Go to Luke 16, chapter 1, uh, verse 1. Luke chapter 16, verse 1. The word steward there, the Greek word is oikonomos. It actually means an administrator in a house. He's not the owner of the house. But the owner of the house has entrusted him with everything in the store. Everything in the house. So he's the one that shares food, settles everybody. That's what we are. Amen. 
we are stewards of God's resources. So he say, this percentage should go here. That percentage should go here. Now imagine a steward sit down eat all the food in the house. Are you understanding me? Amen. Are you getting me? Imagine a steward. Just because he has access to the store key. He has access to all the things. Instead of sharing it, he, he decides to squander it. Then it's not a good steward. So Jesus gave a parable here. It's from verse 1 to 11. I won't have the time to read it. There was a certain rich man which had a steward. You remember the story? And the, the guy, um, his boss accused him that he had wasted his goods. Okay? Then um, he was going to lose his job. So because he was going to lose his job, he ran to all the people that his boss, that were owing his boss. He was the steward. Oh. I've seen that I will not finish. <laughs> and then he said, how much am I, are you owing my boss? Maybe say, uh, you're owing him 100 million. He said, don't worry, I will give you a receipt of 80 million. You'll pay 80 million. You, how much are you owing my boss? I'm 50. You'll pay 30. He did that for all of them. And they were very happy because, wow. All right? And then they paid. Do you know Jesus was not commending his fraudulence? But let me tell you what he was commending. He was commending his wisdom for survival. Amen. Then Jesus said that in this generation, the children of this generation are wiser than the sons of light. But it ought not to be so. Put up the scripture. Um, we should be, go with verse 6 down, I think. 6, 8 or thereabouts. Go, keep going down. Thank you. Yeah, eight. And the Lord commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. Are you seeing? For the children of this world are in their generation wiser. He's saying that even the unbelievers understand these things more than the people that the thing belongs to. Is it not the same problem we're having today? Amen. Yeah. But now, sorry. We now look at this. It's stewardship that made me come here. Say, I am a steward of God's resources. Money comes into my hand to fulfill God's agenda. Amen. Now, when it comes to giving, saving, spending, and investing, the one that most of us do is spending. You can never experience supernatural wealth if you don't give. You can also never really experience supernatural wealth if your giving does not have an investing. Amen. Let me start this way. Every individual should have, I started with work, labor, honorable Honest labor, honorable employment, don't forget that. There should be something that you do. Do you know what work is? <laughs> work is not suffering. Work is your opportunity to contribute. Work is a kind of giving. Amen. Amen. Work is your contribution. That means that's what, why you are here. There must be something you do. You know, somebody was 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody was... Um, I, I should say this. I'm your pastor, so I, I will say this to you. You know, people are, were accusing ministers of the gospel, pastors, you know, and saying several things about them. Then you see some brethren sometimes, they say, I don't do anything. I only sow my seed. My pastor is sowing seed. He just sows seed and he makes and he's living well. So me too, I'm just going to sow seed. I'm not going to do anything. You are wrong. Amen. You are wrong. Let me explain the difference to you. A pastor, as I'm doing now, I'm working. This thing I'm doing is my work. Hello? What I'm doing now is my work. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I'm fulfilling the principle of work by preaching. Are you getting what I'm saying? Before I came out here, I was in the office during the day. Amen. Now, there is hardly a pastor that is not fulfilling the principle of work. Amen. So, his giving is not the only thing he does. He works. But you don't even understand that he's working when he's talking to you. He says, hey, Pastor, I want, to can- I want you to just counsel me. This, da, 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 da. You sit down. When he starts counseling, he's working. Amen. <laughs> the pastor is working. So the principle of work is in place. If you are here, and we start, before you start talking about giving, and making your giving, what work does for you that it creates an avenue for your giving to come back. Amen. Am I communicating? Your work creates an avenue for where the giving will return to. Anybody that is not working, the, 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 the way the Spirit of God made me understand it, years ago, was that he made me picture a train station and trains running on a track. Now, a train cannot run on any other thing apart from the track. If there is no track, the train will stop. The train will stop. Are you understanding me? And then, the train doesn't stop anywhere on the road. It stops at a train station. It picks people moves again. So if you want to join the train, you have to go to a train station. Is that not so? Good. Anytime you, you walk, your walk is a train station for money to come to. Money will always stop at a train station. Amen. A place of walk is where money stops. Amen. If not, it's on the track. So anybody that is not walking is not on the path where money will touch him. Amen. Am I communicating? That's why you see that you, when you are walking, it's easier to experience favors than when you are not walking. Because you are around the track where money passes. So, any believer not walking is putting himself outside of prosperity and wealth. That's what you are doing. You are standing outside the track. So, what you always get is what falls off the track. Are you understanding me? But you will never be part of mainstream. That's why every believer should work. If they don't employ you, go and work for free. Amen. 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 There are many people here. Go and meet Sister Carol. Say, I want to come and be cleaning the place. Go and meet uh, Brother America Sunday. Say, uh, uh, I want to be, uh, I just want, uh, do, give me anything to do. Are you understanding me? They'll give you something to do. I, don't pay me. 
As long as you're not smelling in the office, they'll give you something to do. If you can't get someone that is willing to pay you, work for free. But the moment you start working, you have entered the track. Amen. You're on track. Your giving will not have how it comes. Amen. Are you learning something? Praise God. Alright? Now, I'd answer that question. Um, where I want to end is this. I said there are four things you would do with money in your hand. Is that not so? Let's mention again. First one is what? Okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? Okay. If there are four things, let's assume that you are turning to those four things equally. What's the percentage supposed to be like for each of them? Amen. Amen. Talk now. Some people don't know how to calculate in percent, only in Naira. <laughs> 25, right? Some of you spend 120%. Hello? Then almost the rest spend 100%. Then few spend less than that. Listen to me. The wealthy person is the one that consciously, over the years, keeps pushing down the spending percentage so that he can push up the giving and investing percentage. Are you listening to me? That's the wealthy person. Even for an organization, if you are spending 90% of your income, the organization can never grow. Amen. You know, I had a barbing saloon. That was like one of my first businesses I did, university. So I learned something because the guy that was, I, I, I up to now, I can't, I can't shave myself. <laughs> so I don't know anything about that. I just know the business side of it. So I don't have the skill of barbing. I, I never even got to bab, you know. So I had a barber working for me. I was in my first or second year, you know. So and I, we, I went around trying to find out how the barbing thing runs. So he said, he said, this is the way to do it. And this is the way we're going to do it. It's either he gives me an amount every week. I see every week or at the end of every day. He gives me an amount that he called that contract or commission, whichever one. That means he's running the place. He will be the one to fuel the generator. Everything. Then he gives you a particular amount 
or we do I've forgotten what they call it, but I'll explain. The one that whatever comes in every day is shared in three parts. One portion belongs to the business. One portion belongs to the barber. And one portion belongs to the owner. Hello. That's like 33%, yeah? Okay. Now, if your business is not running like that, it will never survive. Praise God. Out of your profits, what do you save? What do you invest? What do you give? Do you spend all? Do you know the biggest problem is the spending problem? Everybody say the spending problem. Some of you are chronic spenders. You are suffering from acute spendulitis. You spend. You just... just, I, I spoke with someone earlier today and the person was so grateful to me. And there was someone that was trying to put structure in their church finances. So I said, let me show you what we do. So I opened up my system and I showed the person a breakdown. Like, he was so grateful that I could show him that. I said, go and do the same. Everybody I shared that with, that had done that, had lived above board. If you practice it in your personal life, you will do better financially. There is no amount of money you earn that is too small for you to put a portion aside. It's a mindset. Are you understanding me? There is no, even if you earn 8,000 naira a month. Eh? See, I learned this by doing it when I used to even just receive um, what is it called? Pocket money. Yeah? Pocket money. Praise God. Pocket money. I was sharing with some of the leaders not too long ago. I, you don't have that envelope. I saw someone with a brown envelope here. Was it in my office? I saw it. I saw a brown envelope before I came. Okay. Brown. You know those brown envelopes that are like A4 size? Alright? Brown envelopes. So I used to have, I'll buy them. And then I'll write percentages on them. This one is my tithe. This one is my offering. This one is this. I break it down. This one is spending money. When I receive money, if you give me 100 naira, I will break it down. 10 naira will enter here. 20 naira will enter here. 20, 30 naira. Like an old woman. I used to do like that. My mother was an account, is an accountant. So she retired now. So, I will separate it like that. Over the week, when I'm going to church, I carry the tight envelope, empty it. Remove the offering envelope, empty, put it, and go to give my offering. Most of the time, people see, it will be more than what I thought. Are you understanding me? If you gave me 500 naira, I would do the same thing. If I received um, 5,000 naira, I would do the same thing. I was faithful to ensure that the envelope that has to do with, maybe I want to use to start a business, I want to use to start something, that that envelope, I never eat from it. 
This was well before we started doing accounts. Are you understanding me? That practice is still a practice today. Amen. It's still a practice even for the organization. Now, for us in Renaissance Assembly, our target is to keep pushing the operations, the operation expenses to keep going lower. If we spend, let's assume we spend 60% running, paying salaries, everything, we're in faith to say that next year we want to be spending only 50%. Are you understanding me? Then next year we want to spend, let's it come to a time where we're spending 20%, we're running, we're fine. Are you understanding me? Then we have funds to do other things. Amen. Am I communicating? Am I communicating? That's how people grow financially. If your spending percentage is constantly, remains higher and keeps going up, you will never have money to invest. You will never have money to give. You will never have money to save. Praise God. You know why we focus so much on the saving? Because saving is just keeping to spend later. Are you understanding me? That's what it is. Okay? It's just keeping to spend later. It will still be a spent money. Different from the one you are investing to grow. Praise God. And you know, doors will open for you. Let me explain. When you start doing that, some, something will happen. You know, they'll say, eh, eh, there's this thing they want to sell. If you can bring 50,000 naira, eh, although the original have 600, you already have money. Are you understanding me? You already have money. When those fevers come, you'll be ready. Amen. You'll be ready. You'll be ready. One more wisdom. If you have an account that you keep your <laughs> your investment money or money you're saving, and if you are someone that you cannot control yourself, don't have an ATM card for that account. Are you listening to me? Those are deliberate policies put in place to ensure that we preserve the future of the organization. On a personal level, the same thing. So don't have ATM card. Then your house, when you come up from your house, opposite your house is ATM. I just going to call you, come, the light will be blinking. Pee, pee, pee. <laughs> you go, you withdraw, you withdraw, you withdraw. Just say, I, I just like the cash in my pocket. I have some cash in my pocket. All right? And I'm sharing this personally with you. The only cash that goes into my pocket is the one I can share. I don't put money in my pocket for anything that I will not spend. Are you understanding me? I was sharing with my call some close people you know today and i was saying to them i said yesterday we had a bible academy you know so at the end of the day brethren sowed the seed to me i didn't even know they were going to do that so they gave me money ah wow thank you i was not expecting it but as they gave me my percentage is palm the one going to my this account goes the one goes going to the one that runs the house goes, then the petty cash that if church closes now, someone comes and says, hey, hey, Pastor, he doesn't want to go. I say, okay. Uh, 
Yes. Yes. Don't worry. Don't give me back. <laughs> you know, that one is the one I put in my pocket. I have my tights here in my. It's not. I have my tights here. The moment I receive the money, I took out my tights. Are you understanding me? It's to be there. If I receive money tomorrow, I'll keep putting it until if it's a check, I'll write a check, put it there. Then service day, I drop it. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. So the money I received yesterday, it has gone to different directions. Praise God. That's how to live. Stop chopping everything. Stop chopping tomorrow. Amen. If you give me 1,000 naira, it's the same thing I will do. Amen. A young man went to me. I'm closing now. A young man went with me. We we're going somewhere. We just sell somewhere. I'll bring a five naira and I give somebody. When I give him 1,000, I say, ah, Pastor, I want to be like this to be giving money. I say, The money here is calculated. I know how much is in my pocket. So if I get home, I bring out the balance. I know what I spent. Because I already know what I put in the pocket in the first place. Amen. Are you listening to me? And that's how to function. I speak over your life that financial order has come in the name of Jesus. I speak over every business that financial order has come in the name of Jesus. I speak over every family that financial order has come in the name of Jesus. From today and henceforth, you enter a new level in your finances. Every opening that Satan had used to take advantage of you financially is sealed in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak over you that not just the wisdom of God in your spirit, but the impartation of the spirit of order in finances comes upon you in the name of Jesus Christ. Never again will it be said that you are broke. Never again will it be said that you are in debt. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak that six months from now, massive projects will be done by your hands. Six months from now, everyone under the sound of my voice, your financial level would have shifted forever. You will look back at the month of March and you will say, in March, that is where I was. Look at where I am now in the name of Jesus Christ. May God bless you. May God strengthen you. Open your eyes to see. These insights you have received, they will remain with you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Celebrate Jesus everywhere. Thank Him. Thank Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of faith.